Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to England Cricket on 99.94. Cricket every day. I'm Daniel Norcross from Test Match Special, from Zero Ducks Given, and from various unusual publications that occasionally are willing to allow me to write for them. And I have alongside me, as I always do, the great man, the puff pastry hangman himself, the chief cricket writer from the Press Association. It's Rory Dollard. Uh, Hello, Rory. Thank you, sir. Well, good to see you. And you. It's really sunny in Sydney at the moment. Well, you know, we're going to talk later on about rain and whatnot. Um, I've just had three of the most beautiful days in Sydney, but the problem is I've been watching rain elsewhere. That's one of the topics that we're going to be talking about, rain in this World Cup and all the drivelous nonsense that has been written about it and indeed spoken. We're also going to look at how England are setting up. They've got a massive crunch game against New Zealand coming up in Brisbane. They've got to win it. They've also got to win their last game against Sri Lanka that seems less of a daunting prospect after the absolutely woeful performance that they put in again today, that Sri Lanka. And we'll be seeing what, the, what really England can hope to achieve in this World Cup. Might it all be taken from them by the elements? Or will they, if they get lucky, will they be able to progress? There are some mighty fine sides in this World Cup. England Cricket on 99.94 is your new home for England Cricket content. And we will be dropping into your podcast feed and on your YouTube or the 99.94 app several times every week. So please rate, review, and subscribe. Also, if you get a chance, go and check out the Mitch Johnson Show, where the former Aussie Quick talks about his life and cricket. You can find it where you listen to podcasts or on YouTube. Thanks for joining Cricket's Conversation. Now, Rory, let's start with the rain. So, Melbourne... Can we start with Mitch Johnson? Well, do you want to start with Mitch Johnson? What did you want? Well, I just want... You know, he's a... He's our flagship man, isn't he now? Yeah. But I've only had one conversation with Mitch Johnson uh, that wasn't from two sides of a press conference oh, yeah. table. Uh, and it was about 1990s tag team wrestling. Wow, who would have thought? How extraordinary. We watched, uh, myself and Mitch watched a little bit with Barat, who, who does the podcast yeah. with him, watched a little bit of Demolition versus the Heart Foundation, oh, the Heart Foundation uh, yeah. in the Lord's Press Room. Oh. Yeah. Well, so, I always found him... That's my Mitch Johnson story. Probably won't come up on the podcast, to be He's honest. He's a wonderful, genial man. And I always find surprisingly small and <laughs> slender for a bloke who, I think, caused more terror and anxiety for more England batters than any other human. You talk to a whole bunch of people who went out on that 2013 tour, and they will tell you it was the fastest thing they have ever seen. Genuine scars there. Anyway, that's Mitch Johnson. I want to talk about rain. Because, can okay. I get something off my chest? Right. I, I get you really must. annoyed when people complain about rain. You know, it, it rained in England in the 2019 World Cup and they said, why you got a World Cup in England in May and June? Well, it's because it didn't rain for all the other days. There's a great day-to-day sketch, you know, where the, the swimming pool attendant 
who was, uh, you know, off duty one day and somebody died in his pool, said, well, you know, someone died in 1983, but 1975, no one died. In 1976, no one died. And on he goes. And the fact is that there were four games in England that got rained off, three of them in Bristol, all because of the same weather front. There have been four games rained off here in Australia. Two of them were at the MCG when it rained all day. Sometimes it rains all day. You can't have... You know, can't have extra days. And I'm sorry, George DeBell, I love you dearly. But what the hell do you mean, go and play it in the stadium under a roof? Are you honestly saying that the organisers of a World Cup in Australia were going to turn down the option of having Australia play England in a packed MCG for the spectacle? And they're going to go, well, we anticipate there's a chance that it might rain in October. It's not as rainy, actually, in October. It is in November. But just in case we're going to play in the rather soulless setting of the stadium with a roof around the corner. Or was he suggesting that they should just have all up sticks, taken their stumps and wandered down the road? Because where do you get the stewards from? How do you (laughs) man the ground? I mean, who are these people who think that cricket matches are like, you know, a village game where you go, oh, look over there. They've got covers. We could go and play on that pitch. Well, you might just about get away with it, but you can't move 50,000 people into another stadium, especially in a country like Australia, which is so completely obsessed with health and safety. You're not allowed to cross a road unless it definitely (laughs) says it's green, let alone suddenly transport 50,000 people into an entirely different environment at one hour's notice. So, I'm sorry, I just had to get that (laughs) off my chest. It drives me mad when people are annoyed about rain. Speaking about... um... Speaking about logistics of those things, I once uh, was reporting on a, a World Cup qualifier with Northern Ireland in Belfast against Russia, and it was snowed off. The game was snowed off, so Russia came, you know, f- flew over Siberia and the likes to land in Belfast to have a, re- a snowed off match, and it was snowed off because the covers, the the, the the sort of covers that mark the pitch, there was only one set of them doing the rounds in Belfast, and the rugby team had booked them first. <laughs> So they, they had to call off a World Cup qualifier. The the spreadsheet was all it was booked up. They couldn't have the covers. So these things do yeah. happen. Listen, generally you are right because I've been in multiple parts of the world covering cricket. I've been in Sri Lanka. I remember when we had a lot of white ball matches uh, rained off, and the, as soon as you get a, a rained off game somewhere, somebody who's not from that country says, "Well, it's ridiculous. What we do? Well, what the hell are we doing here?" Well, you know, it, it rains, like you said, it rains. And I think if we're two things, one, if we're, if we're in 2022 and we haven't yet got our heads around that some games and some passages of play are going to be lost to the weather, then we don't deserve it. We don't deserve this game, really, because it happens. And two, we're English, so we lose plenty. You know, the World Cup's happening. It's been shoved around a bit. We've lost a couple of games. <sighs> it's probably not the most interesting thing in the world to say, why are they allowing that to happen? <laughs> because it does happen all the time and, and increasingly catastrophically well, in parts of the world. So yeah, I, don't know. I mean, what, probably what, not the biggest deal. What I would world. say, Rory, is that there is a conversation to be had that is interesting about scheduling. And there is no doubt that playing in October and November is not as desirable as playing later on in the Australian summer. I think... So was it Shilberry or Simon Wilde had established that only six international fixtures have been played this early in an Australian season? International fixtures, that is. So why is that happening? Well, the very simple reason that happens is that there are an awful lot of T20 leagues. Kevin Peterson was saying the other day, is there a reason why they can't play it in January and February? 
whilst at the same time, he wants to see leagues opening up in the UAE <laughs> and South Africa. You cannot have it both ways, I'm afraid. Now, that is an interesting direction of travel. Uh, you might argue that international T20 cricket has got a lot to think about. You know, as, as the leagues themselves produce some of the best players all coming together, I have got to say that I have not been at a game that was really tightly fought with the probable exception of Ireland against Scotland. A really good game, that one, Ireland against Scotland. Somehow Ireland pulled it out of the bag with that incredible partnership between Curtis Camper and George Dockrell. And they came back from not quite the dead, but near the dead. But almost every other game I've seen has been a massive mismatch. Sides winning by 55 runs. Sides winning by nine wickets with four overs to spare. Because the very best players tend to be from the same countries. And so when you play international T20, there's a much bigger disparity between the quality of the teams than there is when you watch the IPL or the 100 or even the Vitality Blast or the PSL or the Big Bash because those competitions are designed to create competitive equality. I guess what, I, what I'm trying to drive at is that inevitably, therefore, these tournaments are going to be pushed into the margins of different seasons. No, last year's T20 World Cup was played in the UAE. You've got Bell back on board now. You've got him back on board now talking about the margins of the season. <laughs> but the, do you know what I mean? Like last, year, <laughs> last year's T20 now. was in the UAE. At What was ridiculous about the time of year in the UAE was it was heavy dew time. So batting, yeah, yeah. So, so batting second was so much easier because the dew was so intense. Now here, dew isn't the problem and the toss isn't the problem. The problem is some quite unseasonal rain. It's as simple as that. And uh, listen, but I, the, the, the other thing is, this is all—it's all a function of this certainty. We must have a tournament every year. We're going to have loads of tournaments, loads of cricket, every single bilateral thing you can get in, which is less and less. But I, I totally disagree. I fundamentally disagree that we have to have a tournament. And the Champions Trophy is back. I'm not interested. Get rid of it. Spread out the T Twenty World Cups. I, I just—we've lost—we've lost, we've lost the, the battle here. And you can't play both sides. If you want all these tournaments, be prepared for the fact that they're not going to be as good as you want them to be. Sorry. I couldn't agree more. I think it's time we took a short break. When we come back, we're going to look at what faces England and how they might face that challenge. You're listening to Cricket's Conversation on 99.94. Whatever your team, we have the show for you on podcast, YouTube or on the 99.94 app. We have India, England, South Africa, West Indies, and now Sri Lanka covered. If you want to find us, the best way is to follow us on social media at 9994DM by downloading the 9994 app or Google 99.94 on podcast. We speak cricket. So welcome back. Let's take a look at the table. Rory Dollard, you have been perusing it. New Zealand are on top. And that massive win against Sri Lanka, with coupled with their massive win against Australia, means that they have got a net run rate to die for. They've got five points. They play Ireland and they play England. If they win one of those games, they are basically guaranteed to go through and they are almost certain to win one of those games. So that leaves us, it feels like a straight, straight shootout between England and Australia. Although Ireland would say that they've got something to say yeah. in that regard. Uh, so just to put some numbers on that, a bit of meat on the bones, the, the New Zealand run rate, after th- every everyone in the groups with three games, New Zealand's run rate is plus 3.85. 
the uh, there are what four teams in the group on a negative run rate, and England sits second, one win, three games on plus naught point two four. So New Zealand on run rate terms are just out of it. If they get a win, see you, see you in the semis. I, I suppose I would say, I think your average England fan might, if they were drawing up just from their few passages of play they've watched on the telly, uh, or, or listened to on the radio, or read about in the papers, or online. Uh, wouldn't necessarily come up with the conclusion that that England were second in the group after three games because they are. They're sitting second and things haven't gone awfully well and they haven't played well at all. So I suppose in a a little bit of time, not not too long at all, we're going to be looking and find out that either England were just a bit off it in this tournament and they're on the way home. Well, they're not on the way home because they've got some more fixtures to fill in. Of course there are. Uh, but you know, they're out of the tournament with a tail between the legs because it hasn't worked got the got the partnerships wrong got the formula wrong or you're going to look at the optimist's view and say gosh England got they, they managed to sit second in the table before they'd even got into into fourth or fifth gear and they'll look at how it all went so that's the that's the two ways it can go I mean I would err towards I don't know would you err towards saying England's run rate is the benefit or is Australia's remaining fixtures the benefit where does the balance of power lie between the the two ashes rivals well i i I think australia's remaining fixtures are very tasty for increasing run rate as well to be brutally honest with you um because the kind of bowling attack they've got we saw what pace did to afghanistan and in coming stark and hazelwood they are going to come at afghanistan with that pace and that gives them the opportunity either to bundle afghanistan out early or if they're smarter, because this is how you get a better net run rate, is to back your batters to score quickly and then bundle Afghanistan out and get a big swing on the runs to to knock out the 89 runs that they lost to New Zealand by. Uh, That's where I think the benefit probably lies. But I just want to take a little bit of issue with the idea that that England have played poorly in the round. I think if you took out the six overs of power play that they bowled against Ireland, you'd say that in the remaining, whatever it is, 34 overs, they have bowled really well with real discipline and they've known exactly what they were doing. My fear is the thing that surprises me, that having selected a side with an extra batter in, bringing Liam Livingston in after Reese Topley was injured, they haven't backed their batters to, be, to go hard. And it doesn't make any sense to me because they've got Butler and Hales at the top, they've got Livingston, Moeen, Brooke down the middle, and they've still got Curran and Wokes, who are are natural biffers. And when faced with the circumstances in Ireland, we touched on in the last last podcast, that just didn't seem very clever. But also the circumstance against Afghanistan, when they won in 18.1 overs. Why weren't they winning that in 15 overs? Because then that net run rate situation does sit to their advantage. Uh, one other caveat I'd say is that England are playing Sri Lanka. Now they could mess it up against Sri Lanka, but Sri Lanka seemed to have an extraordinary capacity to implode abysmally and they're batting to go absolutely nowhere. So it could be that there's large net run rate there. England's big problem is that they've got to play New Zealand. England's, England have a couple of problems. <laughs> and and I think Sri Lanka are one of them. And I, 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 I uh, stand to be... <laughs> Corrected. I'm not predicting it. Listen, I'm not putting any money on Sri Lanka turning over England. But imagine England get through 
New Zealand somehow. You know, it, it happens. These guys go up against each other all the time and it can swing both ways. So they get through and they basically think beat Sri Lanka, we're probably safe. There's two things there. One, Sri Lanka just gave a little hint today of how they could knock off a big team because actually they had New Zealand in a bit of trouble. And it doesn't look like it from the scorecard because Glenn Phillips goes crazy town and basically makes it safe. And then the batting does what the batting does sometimes. But Sri Lanka had a fantastic power play with the ball against New Zealand. What, 25 runs, three wickets, four wickets? They had them all, all ends up. I mean, the win predictor or whatever is swinging hard for Sri Lanka at that point. So they do have, and, and Hasaranga is kind of still lurking, waiting for maybe that big, big performance, still waiting to put that one in. Maybe it's against England. So really, there is, a, there is a route to them upsetting people. It's not impossible by any means with their bowling attack. It's a slightly unusual bowling attack that, that isn't, the formula doesn't, doesn't always work quite, quite as it should against Sri Lanka. And if New Zealand had, a, if Phillips had been caught, they lose the game and Sri Lanka and the whole thing looks different. So England are vulnerable to that. And also, does it not, I almost feel like the, the Jodos out there should be preparing the Silverwood story already. Like the idea that Chris Silverwood might knock England <laughs> out of this tournament by showing his nous in Australian conditions. <laughs> just seems like... With a white, with a white ball. ball. But it just, it just seems like it might be one of those things that... You flick the TV on it on the in a rain break in like fifteen years' time, and you go, <laughs> "Remember when Silverwood knocked England down?" <laughs> it just—I don't know. Nothing seems. Nothing is straightforward in T Twenty cricket. Nothing is straightforward with English cricket. So let's just <laughs> let's keep our fingers crossed as we watch it unfold. Okay, it's time for our final break, and after that, we're going to talk about how England are going to set up for this crunch final last two games in their group. It could be their last two games in the tournament. If you love the language of cricket and want more, then head over to the 99.94 app and you can hear all of our podcasts and cricket commentary. We're adding new shows all the time and covering cricket series from all over the world. Be the first to hear all of our announcements by following us on social media at 99.94 DM. Welcome to Cricket's Conversation. So welcome back. England play at Brisbane. Now I've got some fairly unpleasant news for you on the weather front, which is that the day that England are playing looks like it might be a bit manky. <laughs> Typically, uh, the day before when Australia play Afghanistan looks a bit less manky. Is there anywhere so, with a roof nearby? Uh, or is it Ireland? Uh, not, I don't think in Brisbane. No. <laughs> well, and, um, look- and, 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 as we know, it's like, irrelevant. Would, a, would so, a tent work? Well, it would be quite nice if they had proper covers, but the thing with the Gabba is that it's got pretty good drainage and it's not been really, really wet, unlike the MCG, where in fairness to poor old Melbourne, they've had more rain in this month than they were expecting and the outfield was absolutely saturated. So that was that was really the main issue for them there. Now, my question to you is, Rory Dollard, given the way England have played and given what we've talked about there in terms of how their bowling has... Uh, reacted you know they really should have beaten Ireland they were probably two balls away from beating Ireland the way Moeen Ali was batting at that point then they got done by the rain they're not doing an awful lot wrong with the ball they are doing an awful lot wrong with the bat so does that mean that it's just stay the same 
but bat differently? Or do they do they need to make a change in order to get a different attitude into, into what it is that they're doing? I think, I mean, they'll have started to approach this question when they were looking at the possibility of a five-over match against Ireland, when that was on the table. So a five-over match, suddenly, I think it's uncontroversial to say Milan does not play in that. They take him out of the team. And Salt probably comes in and bats three, right? So the question, I guess, is having, presumably having had that conversation internally about, oh, reduced match, yeah, Milan probably could do with coming out. Is the seed planted there? And is it something where they sort of amused on and go, actually, maybe Milan does need to come out? Um, I mean, it, it, again, we, 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 we both felt Milan had it in him in these conditions in this tournament. And it's going to be a test of faith, really, in Milan, because I think that's, you know, having pondered it, that does look like the one where they could shuffle it. Milan comes out and, and, they, and, and Stokes has to then take on that job solo because he's still going to have a job with the ball. So it's just a test of faith in how they reckon I, he's travelling. You see, Rory, I, 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 I'm with you and I think that your reasoning for why Milan would prosper in Australian conditions were ones that I agreed with. I would say that having been here now for the last three and a it half, isn't four that weeks, it, it isn't those conditions mm. at all. Uh, these pitches are a bit more grabby. They're a bit more sticky. It's not coming on. He's not got the, the pace quite to play with. And... So I and, think perhaps, and Trent Bolt might not be a lovely matchup you know, if that's the case. He really might not. I mean, Trent Bolt's yeah, not a lovely yeah. matchup for most people because he's a darn good bowler. But yes, uh, I, th- I think that's absolutely the case. And I think it, it wouldn't be that you'd be saying, look, Dawid, you're no good, we don't want you. It could be that actually these conditions don't suit you. And that, that will sound like you're giving somebody a false idea because he's in Australia. But we're in a La Nina, I believe it's called, as opposed to El Nino. And it's cold. And it's wet for the most part. I mean, aside from the few days of sunshine we've had here in Sydney, wherever you go, it's and it's properly cold. It's not like, oh, I'm just complaining because it's 18, 19 degrees. It's colder than England right now, much colder. And if we were playing a World Cup in October, uh, this time of year in England, people would be going even more insensibly crazy. So um, I, I tend to think that they've got to actually go all guns blazing because I think net run rate is going to be... Do you think it's moving away? So, uh, so, so the question is, do you think do you think they bring salt in to really just an, another blast of gas at the top? Or do they, do they shift Jordan in and, and sort of elevate the players who haven't been facing enough balls? I don't know, to be honest with you. I do believe that net run rate is going to be key because Australia are going to win their two games. And so the only way England are going to get through is to win their two games and to get as close to winning margins as Australia get because they do have the advantage at the moment. And to that end, I think you've got to score, obviously, if you're batting first, a really decent amount more runs which you could argue means that you've got to have a really strong bowling attack. But I don't think England's bowling attack has really been their problem, um, to be honest with you. They did blame it, though, didn't they? In the, the first 10 overs against Ireland was, I mean, invariably, we said this before, but invariably the bowlers cop it. And actually, in the post-match of Ireland, the first thing Butler went for was the first yeah, 10 overs was, with the ball. But that was, but that was the way he, they chose to go after Ireland, I thought. I thought they were naive about the way Ireland were going to play. And I don't think they bowled at Ireland necessarily. You know, the, the Afghans didn't take 
to England's approach, the Irish actually, with it coming on and then just clearing the front leg, moving away to the leg, they got 60 on the, in the first six overs by taking massive risks because that was the way Ireland were going to play. Now, you bowl a bit smarter. Do you think anyone's vulnerable in the bowling attack? Uh, no. Because they've got, they're, they're on the verge, they're, they're the one, one loss away from disappearing and they've got Willie and Jordan and Mills well, kicking the heels. Wokes would be the nearest one. I think. I think Curran they want because of all that, that's gone before. Wokes they desperately need. And Stokes is part of that attack. Now, and he's bowled pretty well, to be fair to him. Or at least he's not been taken yeah. for a great many yeah, he's runs. Done, he's done a certain job, so hasn't he? Wokes is the only one you're then looking at. Um, Adil Rashid, you've mentioned, hasn't bowled as well as he might have done, but they're, they're not... A lot, of the spin, a lot of the spinners actually yeah. haven't. Is that right? Is that, is that the estimate you get? Like Hasaranga right. hasn't sort of fired... Rashid Khan hasn't necessarily been like age. Well, you know, one of the most impressive I, I spinners in the entire tournament is the is the Dutch player Tim Pringle, who's actually got it to turn and has, and has been really sort of flat and, and tricky to get away. Actually, George George Dockerell bowled pretty nicely. He's not even been bowling regularly for Ireland. That's right. So you know, uh, I mean, it, it, it's they're not going to make a change to. To, to that. Yeah, listen, they, they don't drop Rashid. They don't drop Rashid. No. But I'll tell you what, like England's life gets massively, massively easier if he suddenly has his best game. It really does, doesn't it? So I, I think what you're looking at is, does Jordan come in for Milan or does Jordan come in for Wokes? And I think those are those are your options. And I think there's an argument for Jordan for Milan to give you more bowling options to try to restrict a side to even fewer runs. There's a, there's a really good argument for bringing salt in for Milan and and just saying you've yeah. got to go gangbusters because would, we're in the last chance saloon here, lads. But I, th- I think the logic errs towards Jordan for Milan because it does give them that extra bowling option. I think England would be kicking themselves if they get knocked out of the tournament and Chris Jordan hasn't had the ball in his hand because he's been their T20 specialist attack leader for four years, five years. And I also think that sort of blast of adrenaline and that gangbusters style that you've just mentioned, they can achieve that without Phil Salt because they've got Moeen and Livingston not facing enough balls and Curran as well. So that there is a way that they can, there's a way that they can, bear with me because this would be a good selling, this would be like, needs a good salesman this. But there's a way that they could strengthen the batting while picking an extra ball. Oh, I'm loving that. (laughs) Is that fair? Do you know, not only is it fair, it's an absolutely beautiful way for us to end today's show because I think I agree with you. I'm not quite sure that you need Chris Wokes at number nine. If you've got him at number eight, he's still going to give you what you want. And uh, if Chris Jordan is coming in at number nine, then it's because you're seven down. There's probably only four or five balls left and he's as likely to hit a six view as anybody. I think on that note, we're going to say goodbye. We shall return straight after England's crunch game against New Zealand with either good news for England fans Oh, disastrous news for England fans. And that disaster could be rain. Or rain. Well, <laughs> or a bit of rain. pretty disastrous as well. Because uh, let's face it, England's women fell foul of a T20 World Cup in which exactly the same thing happened. The Australians managed to get out for five over games when sure they got through to the final where England's women's kicked their heels and were, and, uh, were dumped out at the semi-final stage. England's men haven't made it to the semi-final stage, but they're in danger of being dumped out by the weather all too soon enough but 
for now, at least thanks for listening to England Cricket on 99.94, where we speak cricket every day. Please do rate, review and subscribe wherever you enjoy your podcast. You can download the 99.94 app and follow us on Twitter at Norcross Cricket and in Rory's case at DRVD. Stay away from those boundary sponges, everyone. Do right. Never miss out. Join our 24-7 conversation on social media. Follow us at 9994DM. Cricket, every day, your way. Hi, listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay. Pit Lane Parlay is the go-to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports-related news. Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today.